0: Our scripture reading today will be taken from Romans 16, if you'd open your Bibles there, please. We're going to be looking today at the first 16 verses of the 16th chapter, and the tendency for many is just to gloss over this, but when we consider the fact that God included this list of people in a gospel that's designed to reveal the truth of the grace of God, it must be very significant. And so we don't want to take these verses lightly. I want you to draw attention, and we'll point it out as we read the scriptures, that in 11 of the 16 verses, there is either the mention of being in Christ, or being in the Lord, or something to Christ. And you'll see that as we read it. Beginning at verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is at Kencria, That you receive her in the Lord, there's our first prepositional phrase, in the Lord, in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matters she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers, in Christ Jesus. Who for my life risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles, also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Epinanus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who's worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apellus, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those who are of the household of Narcosus, who are in the Lord. Greet Trufona and Trufosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Greet Asuncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brethren with them. Greet Philologus, and Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. That's an interesting portion of Scripture that God has inspired for us. May God add his blessing to the reading of it and the exposition of it later. Will you join with me, please, in prayer? Our Father, we bow before thee today to thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are God the Father, and we thank you that we have a relationship with you through God your Son. And we thank you that you've sealed this relationship that we have with you through God, your spirit. And we thank you so much for your precious word. What a great gift you've given us in giving us the written scriptures. And we thank you so much for this passage, Lord, that actually lists names of people, individual names of faithful people who counted because they love the Lord in the church. And Lord, we have many faithful people in this church that certainly can relate to that. In this passage, it's clear that every faithful man and woman and every faithful boy and girl is known by you, known by name, known forever, even registered in the heavenlies. Thank you for your people, Lord, that love you and love your word. They live faithful, quiet lives. They get little fanfare. But Lord, as you know, you love them, we love them, and we need them. Thank you for those who've come to worship today. We want to pray for this ministry and pray for all ministries around the world that are proclaiming your truth today. We pray for fruitfulness. Thank you for those who support ministries. Thank you for those who serve in so many areas, so many ways. We pray that you would take notice of the faithfulness of thy people. Record their names as you've done here in Romans. We pray for those that are hurting of the flock today. We pray for the Glidden family, the Johnson family. We pray, Lord, that your comforting grace and peace that only you can grant will be given to them. We pray for those, Lord, who have needs today. We pray that you would meet those needs. We pray for the spiritual condition of every one of us, Lord. We pray that you would take it to a better level than it was when this day began. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Many people spend their entire lives wanting and trying to become famous. In fact, some will actually change their names if they think it will help them. For example, Leonard Sly changed his name to Roy Rogers. Frances Smith changed her name to Dale Evans. Isher Daniel Vitz changed his name to Kirk Douglas. Richard Starkey changed his name to Ringo Starr. Frances Gum changed her name to Judy Garland. Norma Martinson changed her name to Marilyn Monroe. Marion Morrison changed his name to John Wayne. Roy Scheer changed his name to Rock Hudson. And Richard Jenkins changed his name to Richard Burton. Some people will change their names if they think it'll help them become just a little more famous. Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was a poet, essayist, philosopher, and lecturer of the 1800s, made an interesting and accurate observation about people who are after fame. He said, really fame is proof that people are gullible. I guarantee you, the Apostle Paul was anything but gullible. And the names in this list are real names of real people who are forever remembered in the word of God and forever remembered in heaven. Romans 16 is an amazing chapter in this book. It's a book that was penned by the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles. He's the apostle that was used by God to unlock the gospel of the grace of God. You have no man on the face of the earth at the time he's here more connected to God and to grace than Paul. He had personally been visited by Jesus Christ himself, who stopped him on the road to Damascus, made him an apostle. He wasn't even looking for the job. He just... Made him an apostle. He personally was taught by Jesus Christ for three years on the backside of the Arabian desert. He had personally been caught up to the third heaven. He had seen and heard amazing things. He said, I can't even put in language what I heard and saw. He personally had been used by God to perform apostolic miracles with his own hands all over the known world. He had personally been used by God to write inspired scriptures. Thirteen Of the 27 New Testament books are his, plus if Hebrews is his, that's 14, plus the book of Acts. Pretty much, when you get past chapter 12, is a story about his life. So in this world, Paul was considered to be the nothing, but in God's world, he was a big name. That never went to Paul's head. He never saw himself as being famous. He obviously was a down-to-earth, humble man of God. It's clear from this text that he never became too big to associate with all kinds of people. He has an amazing memory. Of course, we know the Spirit of God is bringing to his mind things the Spirit of God wanted written because he had an amazing memory of some of the people he knew. He had traveled all over the world, met all kinds of people, and apparently a lot of those people had ended up in Rome. And Paul appreciated those people. He's the kind of guy who not only won souls for Jesus Christ, he won friends for himself. They helped him, they supported him, they worked with him. When God's Spirit led him to bring Romans to a conclusion, he includes a list of people that are just, it's an impressive list. They're forever famous because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their involvement with Paul. What we can learn from this text is that people who are faithful in the work of God by helping God's minister and by serving and working in God's church will be forever remembered and honored. Now, the people in this list, for the most part, were nobodies walking down the streets of Rome. The list we're going to go through today, you have no real famous preachers there. You have no scholars in the list. You have no famous athletes, no famous actors, you have no famous politicians in the list, although there are some that were obviously connected to the political world. These were just people who went to church. But the names of these people may not be known on the streets of Rome, they were known in the streets of heaven. And they're forever remembered. God knows them and Paul names them. There are 18 greetings that he gives in this section. Two main cities from where these people were, apparently, Corinth and Ephesus, because a lot of the people had a background there. There are five common denominators about every person in the list. Each person had his or her own unique background story. What we're going to look at here are people are different ages, they're different genders, they were located at different locations, they had different personal stories of obviously how they came to faith. Each person had responded to the gospel of the grace of God that is found in Jesus Christ. And he keeps stressing that these people are in the Lord. These people are in Christ. He wants to drive home the fact that that's what builds this relationship that we have together. It's because it's based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Each person in the list was positively connected to Paul in some way. Each person on the list was diligently working and serving the Lord. And each person in the list was forever remembered and eternally famous. Now, Paul is not the kind of guy who shies away from pointing out losers. He wouldn't back down. If somebody wasn't serving the Lord right, had done him wrong, he would name them. For example, in 2 Timothy, he names a bunch of losers. Phygellus and Hermogenes and Humanaeus and Philetus and Demas and Alexander the coppersmith. He names those guys right outright, and he says these people are just not walking anywhere where they need to be with the Lord. But in Romans, he names a bunch of spiritual winners, and there are 18 specific greetings that he gives. And I just want to point this out. When you read these greetings, this is not just some, the Bible is not some book of sentimental slop. These are people who are greeted, and they're greeted because they deserve to be greeted. This is by inspiration of the Spirit of God. And the total number of people that he names here are 27. He also includes, but does not name, the mother of Rufus and the sister of Nerus. Several worked with him as near as we can decipher. Ten of them were women critical to him in his ministry, and 17 of them were men who were critical to him in his ministry. The first greeting is the greeting to Phoebe in verses 1 to 2. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Kencrea, that you receive her in the Lord in a matter worthy of the saints, so that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has been a helper of many and of myself as well. The name Phoebe is a pagan name. It certainly is not a biblical name. Phoebe is probably the one who actually carried this letter of Romans to Rome. I mean, this is a time when you don't have post office, and you put a letter in the mail and send it, and you don't have Pony Express either. So if you were going to get a letter to some place, you actually had a person have to carry that letter, and many believe, most believe, Phoebe's the one who took the letter from Corinth to Rome. Paul points out she lived in Cancria, It's located about eight miles outside of Corinth. It's a port city. It was a bustling city. The distance from Corinth to Rome is about 750 miles. So for a woman to take on this sacred assignment that I'm going to take this inspired letter that has been written by Paul and take it all the way to Rome, that would be a very dangerous assignment for a woman to take. But Phoebe was up to the task. She was willing to do it. In fact, what's interesting about Phoebe is, of all the greetings that he gives here, two verses are devoted here to her. And there are four ways that Phoebe is described here. I said three in your notes, but I'm going to add a fourth. They all begin with a letter S. First of all, she's a sister. That's what he says. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. In other words, she's a believer in Jesus Christ. She was a spiritual sister. Secondly, she was a servant And the word for servant is the word which would seem to suggest she had an official deaconess office that she held in the church. You know, the office of deaconess is an important office. It's interesting that you don't get a lot of information in the Bible about what the deaconesses did. History says that they were involved in helping a lot with women's issues, but apparently each church had responsibilities for deaconesses. We do. In this church, we have responsibility for deaconesses, and apparently she was one. She may have been a widow, that's speculative, but it's possible that she was. Thirdly, she was a supporter. She fully supported and helped people. I mean, that's what it says. Fourthly, she was a saint. Paul brings that out. Receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. She's a saint. See, saints are not icons that you have around a building. Saints are the people who go to church. And she was one. There are three things that Paul wanted the Church of Rome to do for Phoebe. I want you to commend her. She's deserving of that. I want you to receive her in a worthy way, and I want you to help her with any need that she has. Now you think about this. If Phoebe is in fact the lady that carried the Book of Romans, the Gospel of Romans, to Rome, We're connected to this because she literally took this writing from Corinth where Paul was and traveled all of those 750 miles to Rome, handled that letter to the church that ultimately was copied, that ultimately we have in our own Bibles. Man, that's a woman who had Paul's full support. She deserves the church's support as well. And Paul would not say this about some lady who's a spiritual dud. This was a top-notch servant of the Lord, so he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Now the second greeting is greet Aquila and Priscilla, verses 3 to 5. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who for my life risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all of the churches of the Gentiles also greet the church that is in their house. Now we get a list of two people, a husband-wife team. Aquila and Priscilla who are mentioned six times in the New Testament. They're mentioned three times by Luke in Acts chapter 18. They're mentioned three times by Paul in his letters. He mentions them here, 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Timothy chapter 4. Aquila and Priscilla were not public limelight type of people. They were fellow workers, team players, They worked alongside Paul. They didn't try to run things. They weren't interested in controlling things. They apparently were great servants of the Lord who supported Paul and the agenda that he had to take the gospel of the grace of God to the world. They weren't real public speakers. You don't find them doing that, but they were faithful. They were a husband and wife team that were faithful and they did things for the Lord. They had a long association with the Apostle Paul, they were business people. They first met Paul when he was in Corinth. They gave him a job in their tent-making business, and they were pretty much business entrepreneurs and must have been pretty successful at it. We'll point that out in just a second. They made tents, and tents were big business back in this time because you had businesses. They needed awnings to protect you from the sun and from the elements of the weather. So businesses needed tents. I mean, people lived in tents. I mean, this was a big business, and Aquila and Priscilla were good at it. They had a business, They traveled with Paul to Ephesus. They were with him there for three years and learned. Paul taught there for three years and they were right there and they were learning from him and learning the doctrine of the grace of God and they, Paul said, risked their own lives for his ministry. In fact, he said all of the Gentile churches are indebted to this couple. This couple's done a lot for the Lord. All of the Gentile churches are indebted to this couple. And one of the main features that shows up continually about them is they always would have a church in their house. Now that tells us that they were people of means, because not everybody could do that. Not everybody had a house where they could actually house a church. I mean, the early church did meet in homes because they didn't have a nice building like we have. And Aquila and Priscilla would obviously, wherever they were at, they were able to get a home in Ephesus, they were able to get a home in Rome, and they could actually have a home that was palatial enough to have a church in the house. This couple loved God. They loved the word of God, they loved the church of God, they were so well grounded in the word of God and Pauline doctrine, that when Apollos, who was a powerful speaker, came from Alexandria, Egypt, and he came to Ephesus, and he was confused on some doctrine. Aquila and Priscilla were able to take him aside privately and straighten him out. That's how well-grounded this couple was in the teaching of the Lord. What you have here is a couple. I mean, they're on fire for the Lord. They gave of their time, their home, their resources, They gave their ease. They gave their lives for the work of the Lord and for the ministry of Paul. And Paul said, they're my fellow workers in Christ. And he never uses that term lightly. On the streets of Rome, if you saw Priscilla and Aquila walking down the street, probably no one would pay them much attention. But in the streets of heaven, these two, they're forever famous. For their love for the Lord and their service with the Apostle Paul. The third greeting is the greeting of Epinatus, verse 5. Greet Eponatus, my beloved, who was the first convert to Christ from Asia. On Paul's third missionary journey, he traveled to Asia. And apparently, the first person that came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ when he went there and presented the grace gospel of Jesus Christ was this guy named Eponatus. And notice it says he was the first in Christ, not the first in Paul. Paul wasn't interested in preaching himself. He went and proclaimed the truth about the grace of God that Jesus Christ could save a sinner from sin. And Paul called him beloved. That's interesting that he uses that term for him. My beloved, which would indicate he had a special relationship with Paul ever since then. The guy took a real interest in Paul's life and Paul's ministry. Even though it had been years before that he had come to faith in Jesus Christ, now, a year and a half later, he's still faithful to the Lord, and apparently now he's living in Rome. He always loved Paul for what he taught him. So Paul said, you give him a greeting, greet Eponidas. Fourthly, he said, I want you to greet Mary. Verse 6, greet Mary, who's worked hard for you. We learn about Mary. Mary was a hard worker. In fact, the Greek word literally means that this was a woman who worked very hard to the point of growing weary near exhaustion. And Paul specifically brings out the fact that Mary worked hard for you. And by using the preposition that he uses here, it would seem that she had come into this church of Rome, and had been a very hard worker in the church. I mean, she really worked hard in that church. She worked hard for the people of God in the church. She did things. She didn't just sit around. She earned a tremendous name and reputation in heaven because she was a hard worker. This was not some prima donna woman here who would sit around eating bonbons When there was work to be done, she did it. We don't even know what her work was. All we know is Paul said, you give her a greeting because that's a hardworking woman for the glory of God. Paul obviously had touched base with her at some point and obviously he wanted her greeted. Now, the fifth greeting is the greeting to Andronicus and Junius. Verse 7 says, Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles who were in Christ before me. Man, there's a lot there. Some think Andronicus is a guy's name, Junius is his wife's name. I'm not sure about that because both of them were locked up in jail with Paul. So, I'm not sure we can actually say that about them. All we know about these two people is they were Jewish believers like Paul. They had been saved out of law and saved by grace. They'd come to turn their back on that Old Testament law and trust in Jesus Christ. They were at one time locked up in jail with Paul, they were highly esteemed by the other apostles which would indicate to us they were well-grounded in apostolic teaching. They were believers in Jesus Christ longer than Paul, which means they had been believers in Jesus Christ for over 22 years. Now, what's interesting about that, when he says that they were in Christ before he was in Christ, is before he was in Christ, he wanted to kill these kinds of people. Before the Apostle Paul was in Christ, he hated Christians. And he was on a vendetta to destroy them. So initially, Paul would have despised these kinds of people. Now, 22 years later, he is commending these people for their faith in Jesus Christ. And they're now living in Rome. What you have here are two older Jewish believers who had weathered storms. I mean, a lot of storms. And they're still going strong for the Lord. They remain faithful to grace They remain faithful to God. They remain faithful to Paul. You know, that's what God's grace does. It changes people. And obviously, Andronicus and Junius came to realize that Paul has had a dramatic conversion. I mean, he's not the same guy anymore. And obviously, they came to realize that. And it's one thing to be faithful to the Lord, but it's another thing to be faithful to the Lord when you're sitting in jail with Paul who might lose his life. I'll tell you this. When you're in ministry taking hits... And if you're trying to do a work for the Lord, you're going to take some hits. There's just no getting around it. It is an encouraging blessing to have people who stand right at your side. You never know what that means, to have people that are right in your corner supporting you. And I view that as the way Andronicus and Junius were. Paul went through some low moments in ministry, and he said, These two, I'm telling you, they've earned the respect of all the other apostles because they were with me. They went to jail with me for the sake of the faith of God. The sixth greeting is greet Ampliatus in verse 8. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Ampliatus was a slave name. He may have been converted to Christianity having been a slave, Paul had a deep love for this man. Obviously, the love that he had for this guy was based on the fact that he also was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that is really where the Christian fellowship and love comes. It comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You will have closer fellowship with people who love the Lord and word of God than you will some of your own family members. Because the people of God who love the Lord and love the Word of God are your family members. They're your body. And you'll have more in common at times with those people than you will your own family. The seventh greeting is greet Urbanus and Stacus." The Y is a U sound actually in Greek. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stacus. Urbanus is a Latin name. Stacus is a Greek name. I'm not sure exactly where Paul got hooked in with these guys, but these two men were men that obviously had made a difference for Paul. He was a guy who had been helped by them in the work of the Lord, and he wanted them greeted. Then he said, I want you to greet Apollos." in verse 10. Greet Apollos, the approved in Christ. Now, by using that word about Apollos, we learn a little bit of information about him. The word approved means he'd been tested. Apollos had gone through some type of test or trial, and he proved to be faithful through the test and trial. And it must have been something these people knew about. It must have been a major test of his faith, and he stayed the course. He didn't waver at all. Paul said, you greet him. The ninth greeting is, greet the household of Aristobulus. Now, verse 10 is fascinating to me. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. He doesn't say greet Aristobulus. Greet the household. Now that's a change because up until this point, he's been highlighting specific names of people and say greet them, but now he goes to the household. According to history, there's an Aristobulus who was the grandson of Herod the Great, and if this is the same individual, then Paul's ministry had started to impact some people in high places. Some of his family members had obviously come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not sure Aristobulus ever did. He may not have come to faith in Jesus Christ, but some of his family did. And Paul said, I want you to greet them. Don't ever underestimate the power of God and being able to impact all different kinds of people from all walks of life. The 10th greeting is greet Herodian, verse 11. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Herodian, clearly it's the line of Herod obviously Jewish. He must have been a Jewish believer. We learn in 1 Corinthians that not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but the text does not say not any. And obviously, some from Herod's family line had been called. Then he says, greet Narcosus. In verse 11, he says, greet those of the household of Narcosus who are in the Lord. Again, notice he says, Greet the household. Now, according to history, Narcissus had been a secretary for Claudius. And Claudius made a fortune by taking bribe money. Doesn't sound too far removed from political espionage today. Claudius made a fortune by taking bribe money, and Narcissus would pass on personal requests to Claudius, and he would take money from people to do it. When Claudius was murdered and Nero came to power... Narcissus stayed in Rome for a time, and then he committed suicide. Now, apparently, some of his family had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and some of those family members who come to faith in Jesus Christ were in the Church of Rome. Now, Paul is not a name-dropper. I mean, he could have begun with a big list of names if he wanted to do that. He could have started off with Aristobulus and Herodian and Narcissus. However, he starts off with Phoebe, who's a faithful woman, and 11 others before he even names these people. And the reason for that is God is no respecter of persons, and neither was Paul. I mean, if a person loved the Lord and loved the word of God, man, that meant something to Paul. If they were interested in grace teaching that Paul was developing and were faithful at church, that meant a lot to him. That's why he named them. And apparently there were those of the household of Narcosus who were in that church of Rome who were faithful. The twelfth greeting is greet Trufana and Truphosa. We read in verse 12, greet Trufana and Truphosa, workers in the Lord. We know nothing about these two ladies. Their Greek names. their ladies' names. It's speculated in view of their names. They were twin sisters. We do not know for sure, but what we do know about them is they worked hard. In fact, he uses the word... For workers, that would indicate they worked hard to the point of exhaustion. And I want to point out something grammatically that's interesting from Persis that we'll talk about in just a minute. The word workers there is a present active participle, which means these two ladies continually did this. These two ladies, Trufena and Trufosa, were continually involved in serving the Lord, and their work is in the Lord, not religion. They were continually involved in service. Now, when he says greet Persis in verse 12, that would be the 13th greeting. He said, Persis, the beloved who has worked hard in the Lord. Persis is a woman's name, may have been a woman from Persia, but the difference in the tense is the word work hard is in the aorist tense. What I understand that to mean is Persis was an older woman. She had built up quite a reputation in her early years of life as being a tremendous worker in this church of Rome, but by using the aorist tense of the verb here, it would indicate that her intensity to be able to serve the Lord wasn't at the same level anymore that she used to be able to do it. As you get older, you don't have the same energy level, you don't have the same drive, you don't have the same push, but Persis was never forgotten for what she did if it were Truphena or Trufosa, they were continually serving the Lord. Persis had built a tremendous name as a servant of the Lord, even though at this point in her life, she couldn't do the things she used to do. The 14th greeting, greet Rufus, verse 13, greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Now, Rufus is a Latin name. According to Mark 15, 21, the person who carried the cross of Jesus Christ to Golgotha was Simon of Cyrene of North Africa, and Simon had two sons. One of them was named Alexander, the other one was named Rufus. And it's very probable that this Rufus was the son of the man who actually carried the cross of Jesus Christ. It's also possible that Alexander, his brother, is the one who calmed down the crowd in Ephesus and the one who... Apparently, went AWOL, Paul would talk about him in another writing and say that he did him much harm. Paul specifically names Rufus here, and he says, I want you to greet Rufus, who was chosen by God. Now, it's interesting he brings that out, a choice man, because he's obviously looking back to the fact that Rufus was singled out by the Lord probably when his dad carried the cross of Jesus Christ, Rufus had been elected by the Lord, and so had his mother. But he doesn't allude to Alexander is not mentioned, and it may be that Alexander never had become a believer in Jesus Christ. I don't know. When Paul says that it's his mother and mine, it wasn't actually his biological mother, but Paul obviously knew her well. It was like She became a mother to Paul. She obviously had quite a ministry to the Apostle Paul. He viewed her as he would view a mother. And it may be that she sided with Paul against Alexander. I mean, it could be that Paul had to say things about Alexander that were true and not good, and the mother of that boy sided with Paul, said, I stand with you on this. He said, you greet her too. The 15th greeting is the greeting to the first group. I call it that way, in verse 14, greet Asuncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brethren with them. We know little about the names here. They're all in the family of God. They're all in the church of Rome. They obviously are all part of the brethren of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're all serving the Lord. The 16th greeting is the greeting to what I would call the second group. You have Lugas, And Julia and Nerus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with him. What we know about this group is similar to the first. We don't know a lot. There are a couple of ladies listed in this listing, which clearly shows us this church had a great combination of men and women who were faithful and actively involved in helping in the work of the Lord at that church and building that church. And you know, these people that we're naming here, and I don't want to take these names lightly because they didn't have frontline ministries like Paul. None of them. None of them had a frontline ministry like Paul. But I tell you what, these were behind-scenes people that became the backbone of the ministry. You can't help but be thankful for people that just do a lot for the church. They don't get limelight. They don't get a lot of fanfare. They don't get a lot of praise, but they do things behind the scenes. You have security and you have people that help other people and people who just go to pray and people who support and they set up and they clean up and they do all kinds of things. Open doors, help. I mean, they never really make it to the list of the big public Names of people like the Apostle Paul, but I want to tell you, their faithful service is certainly seen by the Lord. And then he says, 17, greet all. Verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. Paul wanted believers to greet with a holy kiss, and he refers to this here. He refers to it in 1 Corinthians 16.20. He refers to it in 2 Corinthians 13.12. He refers to it in 1 Thessalonians 5.26, and he refers to it in 1 Peter 5.14. Obviously, this was something that Paul wanted done. It was a kiss that was on the forehead or the cheek. It was a kiss that expressed love and unity. It's not what you would call a romantic type of kiss, but it was an expression of love and unity. If a person were in Christ... And that's where this greeting is, greet one another, others of the same kind. It didn't matter what your gender, didn't matter what your nationality, didn't matter what your color, didn't matter what your ethnicity or your previous religion. If you were in Christ, you were to be greeted in this church. And this kiss was kind of practiced until about the third century AD, and then it seemed to have disappeared from the church. You know how people are. I actually, years ago, had someone, because I like to see people shaking hands and giving each other a hug. I love to see that. And I actually had someone who didn't like it. What do you mean, give a hug? I go, you betcha. If we're following the scripture, to give you a kiss. Of course, I wouldn't have kissed that guy. (laughs) I'd have shaken his hand, but I wouldn't have kissed him. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the people of God showing that we're united. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's clean. It's good. It's healthy. So Paul said, you greet everyone in the church. And then he signs that off by saying, all the churches greet you. He said at the end of verse 16, all the churches of Christ greet you. That's how he ends it. Notice carefully, he qualifies the church. They're churches who are of Christ. They're not in a denomination. They're churches of Christ. They're not churches of a particular city, although he's in a particular city and Phoebe was from a particular city, but they're churches in Christ. What we have here is we have a church in Rome who was comprised, it was comprised of faithful men and women who believed in Jesus Christ. They love the Word of God, they love the grace of God, they love the Apostle Paul, they're hard workers. And obviously, women were vital to this because he names a bunch of them here. If you don't have women in the church that take the church seriously, you don't have a church. You got a men's club. And that isn't going to go far. But what you had here is a combination of men and women in the church. They loved grace. They loved Jesus Christ. They loved the word of God. And man, that church was going somewhere. They weren't big names on the streets. Not on the streets of Rome. But they were... Brothers and sisters in Christ, big names in heaven. The prepositional phrase that's found over and over and over again here is they're in Christ, they're in the Lord. There's your question. Are you in Christ? Are you in the Lord? To get in Christ, you need to believe in Jesus Christ and invite him into your life to be your Savior. You do that you join God's family, you join our family. Let's pray. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior right now in this moment, you can settle that just by asking the Lord Jesus Christ to come in and take over your life. Just admit the truth about yourself. You're a sinner like all of us. Invite Christ into your life to take it over. Watch what he'll do. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this Church of Rome. I want to thank you for Texas Corners Bible Church. I, in the last couple of weeks, have had the opportunity to go through the whole listing of people that are connected to this church. And we could, we could fill up pages with people that meet the criteria here. I want to thank you for that. And I pray that you continue to use us as a church to impact other people for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.